All right, we are solidly in September, and that means prospect call-ups. Let's talk about the position players and the pitchers that did get called up, and then maybe who didn't get called up that really should have. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And September's that magic time when a lot of the prospects get called up and get a chance to make an impact at the big league level. And it's been different the last few years because rather than expanding the roster significantly, you really only get to add about two players, one position player and one pitcher. And so we don't have the volume of call-ups that you would expect in previous years. But we do have some interesting uh, guys who have made their debuts late in the year. Some of these are in August. Most of these are September call-ups. So I've I've kind of, the way we're going to structure this is we're kind of going to look at contending team guys first and then uh, non-contending team guys. But I don't think there's any one more impactful call-up in September than shortstop Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles. Talked about him quite a bit on this show. One of the best prospects in baseball. uh, Pretty much a consensus top five, if not number one by some outlets. One of the favorite favorite prospects of this podcast. You may remember we, we had a big show to figure that out once Vinny Pascantino got promoted and O'Neal Cruz got promoted. But... He's part of an Orioles team that is very much in the wildcard hunt in the American League. And so, you know, before he got called up, we saw him playing a bunch of different positions in the minors. He played some second. He played some third. He played a little bit of first base just to make sure he was well-rounded. And so now that they've called him up, uh, the goal here is, He's going to play just about every single day. Uh, we are looking for him to try to make an impact to see if you can get one of those wild card spots. Um, as of as of Tuesday, the Orioles are in fourth place in the AL wild card. Uh, they are four and a half games back, um, but they are they are you know Tampa Bay and Seattle are tops. And then right, and then behind them is Toronto, followed by Baltimore. Um, it's entirely within the realm of possibility. I do want to point out it's entirely within the realm of possibility that the the that Tampa Bay could catch the Yankees. There is a chance that Tampa Bay can catch the Yankees, which we thought would have was there was no way that was going to happen. But Tampa Bay could catch the Yankees, and if so, it's going to mess with the wild card standings a bit. But Baltimore is within striking range of that fourth spot. Gunnar Henderson, I think, is one of the more impactful call-ups towards that this year. Another guy didn't get called up until pretty late in this whole process, but finally made his debut on the fourth is Tristan Cassis, the first baseman for the Boston Red Sox. Would have been up earlier in the year if not for injury. He got he got nicked up in AAA and missed some time. But first base for 
the Red Sox has been dreadful. Uh, they had Bobby Dahlbeck. They had Frenchie Cordero uh, rotating them through. Bobby Dahlbeck could not um, could not get his form he had from a few years ago. And so they had one of the lowest productions from first base of any team in the majors. And obviously, we know that first base is an offensive dominant position. You have to have a good bat at first base because the amount of defensive value you can add is so low. Uh, during, at the trade deadline, they traded for Eric Hosmer to try to get some offense from that first base spot. Uh, mixed results on that. And so they have called up Tristan Cassis. He debuted against Texas, went one for four in that game. Uh, and as of, as of this recording, he's only, got, he's only played in two games. Um, he is one for eight right now, but Kristen Cassis absolutely has the, the, the tools and the potential uh, to make an impact on Boston uh, as, we, as we go. They are currently, I want to say, seventh in the wild card. They're nine games back. Odds are they're not going to make the playoffs, but it's still a situation where where he can make an impact there and then knowing if he can handle first base yet or not gives you flexibility as you enter the offseason with a lot of the decisions you have to make uh, about players, including the possible Xander Bogarts um, free agency. So Tristan Cass is impactful. Uh, called up a little bit late, a little bit earlier in the year than just September, but Von Grissom of the Braves. Shortstop Von Grissom rocketed onto the top 100 list this year with a fantastic year. Somebody that wasn't in the top 100 to start the season, but was called up after the Braves had gone through 37 different options to replace Ozzy Albies at second, after Ozzy broke his foot on a foul ball. Uh, I mean, they, they they tried Robinson Cano. Like, that's how desperate they were. Orlando Arcia, uh, Phil Gosselin. They traded for Ihire Adrianza from the Nationals. They were like, yeah, this backup guy for the Nationals is somebody we're going to try to count on. Like, that's how desperate they got. So they called up Von Grissom, put him at second, and he has looked pretty good. Uh, he, he, has done a, he has done a decent job playing second base for them. Ozzy Albies is on a rehab assignment right now. And so in pregame, Von Grissom has been working in left field. He has not played it yet during a game, but he has been working in left field some in pregame warmups. Uh, with you know, with the coaching staff, and that is something where he is a candidate to play left field when Ozzy Albies comes back, so they can keep them both in the lineup. As well as you always have the option of DHing Ozzy and playing Vaughn at second. Uh, catcher Yanye Diaz for the Astros uh, normally would not talk about a top prospect who was only playing part time as one of the more impactful call ups, but one. The Astros have some of the worst catching production in uh, offensively in all of baseball. I mean, they're still in first place with the best win percentage in the American League, but that's despite a black hole offensively at catchers. So, Yanya Diaz hopefully can contribute at a high level rather quickly. Kind of moving on, um, the Brewers called up two guys, Garrett Mitchell, the outfielder, and Eggy Rosario, the infielder. They are playing... Mitchell almost every day. Uh, Rosario is not. He is a depth piece. He is on the. He's mostly on the bench. Milwaukee's trying to make it into the wild card. They are two games back of San Diego for the third spot in the wild card. So 
Hopefully Garrett Mitchell can give him a lift. Uh, and then the the Yankees have called up a a, a duo of prospects, Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza. Now, what I don't love that they're doing with these guys is Cabrera, shortstop Oswaldo Cabrera, is playing right field. Shortstop Oswald Peraza, who's an even better shortstop than Cabrera is, is on the bench, and he's occasionally spelling uh, Kiner Falefa, who has not been very good this year offensively for the Yankees. And so I don't understand the concept of calling up a top prospect and not playing them, especially when the guy you have at the position is not very good. Uh, there are a ton of teams who would kill for a you know, 20-game sample of, of a prospect to see how they can handle big league pitching and handle that environment. So I don't quite get it. Uh, Brett Beatty, third baseman for the Mets, was not the Mets call-up we expected. It's the Mets call-up that we got. He is currently injured and out for the rest of the season. Uh, some of the non-contending teams who have called up guys, we've talked about most of these guys in the past already. Corbin Carroll for the Diamondbacks has looked fantastic. Spencer Steer is up for the Reds. He's played um, just about all over the Diamond. Uh, actually, I think his first hit was a home run. Um, so, looked pretty good. Spencer Steer is here, folks. Shea Langoliers for the A's. Mentioned him a lot in yesterday's show. Um, Bangoliers, if you will. But um, he has been up. And then Michael Toglia has been up for the Rockies, playing first base and some outfield as well. And they just, they've had no power, especially on the road. So they're hopeful that Michael Toglia can give them some power and then be ready to take over first base next year. In just a minute, uh, I've got a list of some pitchers, some really interesting pitchers and some really interesting utilizations of these pitchers for these contending teams. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, I don't really know what you're waiting for. You are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys because the new flavor is delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. Built has done it again. So okay, the new flavor is the cookie dough chunk puffs. It's a light and chewy texture with real cookie dough chunks. And of course, covered in 100% real chocolate. So you get the joys of eating cookie dough in a marshmallow without the hassle of having to make cookie dough or a marshmallow. It's healthy for you as well. Cookie dough chunk puffs are 160 calories and have a whopping 15 grams of protein. So you need to run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. This is one of those Limited time flavors we've talked about. When you go to Built.com, you can sign up on the list for some of the different options. They have the everyday flavors they always have. They have the recurring flavors, and they have the you know that are seasonal, and then they have the limited time stuff. I believe this is a limited time flavor, so go out and get it before it goes away. Uh, so when you go, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15. To get 15% off your order, that's promo code locked on 15 at built.com. Okay, not as many pitchers have been called up, especially by contenders, as position players have. So for the contenders, you're looking at uh, DL Hall for the Orioles. He's one of the guys, and these 
I don't quite have these ranked in order of impact, but Dio Hall came up, had a decent start. We broke it down on this show. It was something where uh, he looked good. The numbers don't look as good as what he actually did. Uh, They sent him back down after that because they wanted him to come up and pitch in relief the rest of the season. So he is, Dio Hall is up. He is working as a reliever right now. Uh, Again, not my favorite thing to do. I don't necessarily think that that works out well for every player. There are some players with which that works out well, Uh, especially a guy that has some fantastic tools. Um, Dio Hall to me is, is a very good athlete but it's something where I just I don't know if his repertoire works the best out of the bullpen. I think because he needs multiple he uses three or four pitches, he's a better fit for starting than relieving, but they want to ease him into the big leagues and kind of give him a, a runway to get his feet underneath him. So I get it. A guy that has that is starting at the big league level. And again, I don't know exactly how much impact it's going to have because the team isn't that good. But Bregan Bello for the Red Sox. We saw him come up. We saw him make his first start. Struggled a little bit. Went down. Came back. He's now pitched in eight games. Six of them have been starts. 32 innings. Sitting on 29 strikeouts to 16 walks. And that's really the bugaboo there is the 16 walks. His whip ends up being 1.8. Uh, so he I, he has more control than he's shown in his big league debut. I mean, you'll remember uh, this year in AA and AAA together, he threw 96 innings with only 36 walks. So, so I mean, needs to do a little bit of work as far as the walks are concerned, but fastball is close to triple digits. Uh, the issue is it's sometimes kind of straight, which you don't necessarily love. Um, you know, reminds me of, not as bad, but it it reminds me of the rookie pitcher for the Reds who throws 103, but it's just dead straight. Like, it it happens sometimes. Um, he's, got to, he's got a two-seamer that he can mix in there, and so you're expecting a, a straight four-seamer. You get a two-seamer with some sink. Works a little bit there. Uh, Changeup is plus. Sits in the mid-80s. Has good fade to it. The slider, um, kind of similar speed there. So three quality pitches, throws enough strikes, can get swings and misses, can get great, uh, ground ball contact. It's just something he's got to refine his control a bit. I like letting him come up and actually start, especially because I don't think the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs. So this gives you that runway to see what he needs to work on before he finally... Um, gets to be in the rotation full-time next year. And then a guy that got called up that I'm really excited about because we've heard about him for so long and we just hadn't seen him is Hunter Brown of the Astros. Now, he is working in relief as well, and that is because they have so many pitchers, even with Verlander out. I mean, they have they just have an embarrassment of riches between Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Lance McCullers, Um, you know, Jose, you're quitty. And that's even with trading away Jake Odorizzi during the season. Like they have a ton of starters. So he's relieving right now, which I, uh, he has done that before. He did that in college for two years. He was a reliever before he started his, his final year. But 
Fastball hits 99. It's a four-seamer. He's got a lot of like, like late ride to it, which I really like. Throws it really well up in the zone. But the, the, the money pitch here is the curveball. Uh, so, like, power curveball completely just falls off the table. Love watching this curveball work. Slider is a, a horizontal slider, so it's visually separate from the curveball, but it comes out of that same release point. So for the very beginning of the pitch, it's that tunneling we always talk about. At the very beginning of the pitch, it looks the same. It looks similar to the fastball and the curveball. And then the fastball keeps coming. The curveball drops. The slider just sweeps out of the way. Uh, Changeup sits mid-80s as well. Uh, It's most effective when he throws it down in the zone. So again, looks the same coming out of the hand. Fastball stays up. Changeup comes down, curveball drops down, slider sweeps to the side, a lot of visual change. He doesn't necessarily trust the changeup enough, which I think is something that will come. Um, but he 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 did a lot, he made a lot of gains last year, and we saw his one game he's he's started so far at the big league level. Six innings, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts, no runs allowed. So he looked as good as advertised, uh, and I want to see him continue. Remember, he played in 23 games in AAA this year. 14 of those were starts. He spent some time in relief to get ready for this big league stint. 2.55 ERA, 134 strikeouts in 106 innings. Had 45 walks. So again, you're concerned about the walks, but looked really good. Love what I saw from Hunter Brown. Some guys that are non-contending teams who have debuted. Uh, we talked about Cade Cavalli when he debuted. We talked about Max Meyer when he debuted. Both of those guys are injured and out for the year. Uh, Cavalli, not quite sure exactly what the time frame is for him to come back, but I do believe it's not this season. Max Meyer had Tommy John, so we're looking at a 2024 for him. Uh, Ryan Nelson of the Diamondbacks has debuted, uh, and I, I believe actually his first game he went up against San Diego, seven innings, four hits, seven strikeouts, no runs, and got the win against the San Diego Padres. So great outing there. And then Ken Waldachuk has debuted for the Oakland Athletics for his first outing, four and two-thirds uh, pitching against the Nationals, uh, five hits, six strikeouts, one earned run. So look good as there. Came out a little bit earlier than he wanted, but... Those pitchers have looked really good. And just a minute, this is the big one. The guys who did not have a chance or did not get called up that you could easily make a case should have been called up right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Okay, so who didn't get called up that should have got called up? The Yankees called up Oswaldo Cabrera and put him in right field and called up Oswald Peraza and put him on the bench. What about Anthony Volpe? They moved Volpe up to AAA when Peraza got promoted. But it's a question of, there were people who wanted to see Volpe at the big league level to give him a chance to see what, what he could do. I think it's okay that you didn't call up Volpe because you don't have playing time uh, for Peraza. If you don't have playing time for Peraza, don't call up Volpe. That's just that's just a waste. That starts the service time clock on him. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have called up Peraza if you weren't going to play him every day. 
Uh, you know, just having him sit on the bench, I understand you're trying to protect your lead in the division, but if you're not going to play the prospect every day, you've started the clock. He's not developing because he's not playing every day. He's not, you know, he's not playing in AAA every day, but he's not playing at the big league level every day. So unless you think your clubhouse can make that big of an impact on him as a person, uh, and then he can get enough pregame work in with your coaches, I don't understand the point. But one of the big questions that people have had is, why did the Mets not call up Mark Vientos to play third? Uh, and I think there's a couple reasons there. I would have liked to have seen him, but I, I get their logic. So uh, it's something where they think his glove is behind Brett Beatty's glove. That's why they called Beatty up first. Uh, Vientos can't really be a backup for Francisco Lindor at short. Uh, they went with, I think it was like veteran infielder Devin Marrero instead because he can play shortstop. Um, right now, like Eduardo Escobar is the emergency shortstop behind Francisco Lindor because Luis Guillorme is on the IL. And then Vientos can't platoon at third base with Escobar since both of them, like their strength is the left-handed pitching. And so it's a question about playing time. But like, despite all of that, it kind of still feels like you probably should have had him. He's hit over 22 home runs this year. Uh, you know, take what he can do well, uh, hit home runs, and and let him uh, let him use those strengths to make your ball club better. Since the start of May, he has an OPS of just under a thousand. Uh, 23 home runs, 892 OPS, uh, and then against lefties, 343, 411, 759. Find a way to get that. On your team, especially when when the Mets have been bad this season against left-handed pitching. So don't quite understand why they didn't do that, but they didn't do that. Um, Gabriel Moreno for the Blue Jays, the catcher as well. Talked about him in yesterday's show. He had him as the number one catcher. A uh, little more defensible to not call him up because you have two catchers who are doing really well in Toronto. Uh, so... You've got Alejandro Kirk, 292, 378, 435, 13 home runs in 118 games. Uh, behind him, you've got Danny Jansen, 218, 296, 456, 11 home runs in 49 games. So you're doing okay. You've gotten 24 home runs from your catching position uh, and about 85 RBIs. You're doing okay. Uh, but, you know, and, and I do believe also that they use, they rotate that DH spot through some of the outfielders, through a George Springer, um, through a Lords Goriel, uh, Rymel Tapia, some of the infielders like a Kevin Biggio and stuff. So I, I, I feel like you're using, you're using the DH spot. So I understand not calling him up, but still would have loved to have seen him. And then the big one for me is third baseman Josh Young of the Rangers. We thought he was going to win this job out of spring. And he would have, if not for the injury that he suffered. He was out a good portion of the year. He is back now. He is he is playing um, every day at AAA Round Rock. And when you look at the production of the third baseman, you, you, they tried Josh Smith, they tried Andy Abanez, they tried Charlie Culberson. They're on Ezekiel Duran right now. Duran, for instance, 240, 283, 370. Culberson, 257, 289, 339. Abanez, 218, 273, 277. A lot of guys with the slugging in the twos or maybe the threes. And the thought process is Josh Young probably could have given you some offensive performance from the third base spot. So uh, 
they're not in it this year. I mean, they are, they are, I do not believe they are in within, like within range of the wild card, but would have been nice to get him some experience going into next season when he's almost assuredly going to win the job out of spring training and you are ostensibly trying to compete next year. Would have been nice to give him a little bit of way to ease into it. Now, pitchers. Some interesting, uh, this is where I was more surprised about these pitchers not coming up. And part of this can be explained because uh, these teams are doing well and they don't necessarily have the runway to break in a rookie pitcher. But um, I would have loved to seen the Rays call up Taj Bradley. Taj Bradley has looked phenomenal. He is one of the youngest players at every level that he's played in. And he has looked great. And I think that there is a role to put him in the bullpen let him eat in shorter stints and acclimate to big league pitching. Um, and you can do it in a way that doesn't necessarily damage your hopes of catching the Yankees and making the postseason. I mean, you are pretty assuredly going to get... Like you, Seattle, and Toronto are all 1-2-3 for the wild card. And I think, like I said, Baltimore's four and a half games back. So you could have done it, but it's fine. Um. The injuries that you've seen in LA with the Dodgers makes me surprised that Bobby Miller hasn't gotten a little bit of run. Um, you've lost Tony Gonsolin right now. He's on the IL with, I believe it's forearm issues, which is always scary. Uh, you've had Kershaw bat, you know, in and out, in and out. And I understand you have a lot of pitchers here too. And so this is something where maybe if you think he can be useful in the bullpen, you let him pitch in the bullpen. But surprise, Bobby Miller didn't get called up. Uh, Emerson Hancock. For the Mariners, he's a guy that I really expected to see. As I mean, they are they are all in on the playoffs. They went out, they traded for Luis Castillo, uh, sent out their number one prospect in Noel V. Marte to get him. So you know you are half a game back of that number one wildcard spot. And so I figured Emerson Hancock would be a guy that would be useful for this roster, would be useful in the bullpen useful to to eat some innings for you. Kind of surprised there. And then some teams that are not in it, but still do not have some guys up that you would expect them to have up. Uh, the the Angels have not called Chase Silseth back up. So you'll remember Chase Silseth earlier in the year. Um, I mean, has had some great outings at the big league level. I believe he actually had a no-hitter. Uh, the first no, I think I want to say the first no-hitter of the year was thrown by a Prospect by a rookie. Um, now, his overall numbers don't look great at the big league level. Seven starts, 6.59 ERA, 28 and two-thirds innings, 24 strikeouts to 12 walks, seven home runs. Somebody's got to figure out. But in Rocket City, in A, he obviously is doing well. 13 games this season, 2.38 ERA. He is undefeated, 5-0. and 72 innings, 95 strikeouts to 23 walks. He's better than double A. We don't know if he's, if he's ready for the MLB level unless you bring him back and you let him try it again. So I'm surprised they did not bring him back. And then Hayden Wineski of the Cubs. You got him from the Yankees. Why are you, you have literally have nothing to play for here. Why are you not letting, getting a picture of him at the big league level to see what he can do? Great rest of the week this week. We've got some fun stuff coming up, including a Farm Friday on the Braves. If you've made it this long, uh, go ahead, do us a favor, subscribe to the video if you're on YouTube. Um, really does help the show a ton. If you're on audio, leave a review. iTunes, 
Google Podcasts, wherever it is. Uh, really does help the show a ton, does help with the discovery, and then I just like seeing your comments. Uh, we're going to have a, a listener survey coming out as the season comes to a close to figure out what you guys want to hear um, for during the offseason and then what you liked and didn't like about the way we did things this year so we can make it better uh, going forward. Until our next show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Uh-huh.